Welcome to Community Vineyard Church Podcast, a community of believers who passionately worships the Lord Jesus Christ, declares His truth, and shares His life with a world in need. Now, for this week's message. Good morning, everyone. If you could take your seats, that would be excellent. My my great niece, my brother and my brother and sister-in-law's granddaughter, her name is Andrea, was born with something called Dandy Walker syndrome. Dandy Walker syndrome. This is a serious brain malformation involving the cerebellum and the fluid surrounding that. And um, they, they diagnosed this um, while Julie was uh, pregnant, and they did an ultrasound, and they discovered that there was this malformation. And they warned that she would never be right. In fact, they said that would be, there would be serious impairments, and they even suggested that they consider an abortion. But little Andrea's grandma, Kathy Bloom, is a warrior, and she went to war. She just bombarded heaven and prayed and and sought the Lord, and Kathy's always been a woman of faith, but this was overwhelming, and I remember how devastated the family was. Sean and, and Julie were just completely devastated. All these words coming in, it's never, baby's never going to be right. The baby will be a vegetable. She'll never amount to anything. You ought to just have an abortion now. They were completely, completely flattened, but, but Kathy just called on God, and God gave her a word. God just dropped something in her heart, just a little phrase of, of, of Scripture, maybe two. And, and Kathy just began to believe. Kathy had this sense that God, God has the last word, not the doctors. God has the last word. And God, get, God started speaking that, no, there's a... There's a destiny on this baby's life. She will not die. She's going to be all right. In fact, she's going to be a joy. And Kathy, Kathy almost, it it seemed to me, almost alone started to proclaim this word that, no, she's going to be okay. No, God has a calling on her life. She's going to be all right. You can imagine how devastated Sean and Julie were. This, this, of course, was their first child. It was Russ and Kathy's first grandchild. And all the medical opinions and the forecasts and 
all the bad stuff, but God had a different word and, and a different plan, and Gath, Kathy began to speak that word. God's word over that baby, and you could just see, and I'm sort of on the outside still with the family praying, but, you know, I, and I could, it's like I could see the, the hope begin to rise, almost like a thermometer. You could watch it. Just, just see hope arise. You know, they say, they say you can't go more than, you know, several weeks without food or you'll die. You can't go more than several days without water or you'll die. You can't go more than several minutes without air, oxygen, or you'll die. But I'm going to tell you something. You won't go very long without hope either. We need hope. And, and God gave her that word, and she spoke that. And you could just, I mean, they were devastated. The family was devastated. I'm telling you, Andrea's, I think Andrea's life was hanging by a thread. That baby wasn't going to last long without hope. But Kathy began to speak that word, and you could just see the hope rise. And it began to spread. And so we all just began to speak that same word. Hallelujah. <laughs> when Andrea finally arrived, she was perfect. She was perfect. She had to have a, a, a few things done. She needed to have a stint put in and some other things. But, but uh, she's a grown young woman now. She's a delight. She's smart. She's witty. She gets in, she's so smart she gets in trouble like her grandfather. <laughs> she, is, she is just a delight, and, and, and uh, she, she is beginning to walk out the destiny that God has for her. She serves in their church, in the children's department, and, and she's a wonder. She's quite a delight. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad... Aren't you glad that God has a different destiny over your life than what the world declares? And Kathy got a word from God. I mean, she got a, a rhema word, a, a now, fresh, alive, specific word. She didn't, you know, it, it wasn't like, well, she knew some Bible verses and she just started claiming Bible verses. It wasn't like that. I mean, thank God for Bible verses, and God speaks to me that way too, but, but she, the Lord, it was like the Lord gave her a specific verse. It just, it was God that gave her, it was God that spoke it. She laid hold of it and began to declare it. Hallelujah. And in the declaring of it, things began to change. Praise God. I love that. I love that. We are, we are continuing our series on, on the prophetic. And we talked last time how the prophetic works in the church, how it's to operate and how it operates in this church. Now I want to speak a, a, a little bit broader than that, how, how the prophetic can operate in the world, how the prophetic operates in, in the culture, how it operates in all things. And sooner or later, each of us is, is going to face a situation that appears impossible. Maybe, maybe you're in one of those right now. It seems as if all hope is gone. What do we do when facing a situation like that? Where do we go? I'll tell you what I do. I go to the Lord. I go to God. <laughs> Help! Help me! 
help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. We go to the Lord. And, you know, the wonder is, He hears us. And sometimes He gives us a word. When He does that, hold on to that thing. Hold on to it for dear life. Because that's exactly what it is. Hold on to it. I mean, God can fix anything, and, and you know, um, I've had situations in, in my life, my wife with cancer twice, uh, just I, I won't go through all the litany of things that, that I've personally been through in which I've gone and cried out to God, and, and, and uh, God always hears. He always hears. Uh, sometimes he'll, he'll give a word. I mean, God could fix it instantly right? I mean, is anything too great for God? Of course, God can fix anything. Just the snap of his fingers, and whatever's wrong, he can fix it. That isn't what he does normally. Normally, he doesn't do that. I mean, it's not for me. You know, uh, some people, you get the idea that, you know, God's like this bellhop in the sky, you know, and he's just waiting for you to tell him what to do, you know. That's not been my experience. It's quite the other way around. I'm actually waiting for him to tell me what to do. And sometimes he does. It's, it's, as, if God, it, it, it's as if God gets great joy in partnering together with you to fix a situation, to bring you through a situation, to help you in a situation. Amen? Of course God could do it. He could do it way better than, than involving any of us. We... I, I have this knack for messing things up. I don't know about you. It's t- to the extent that I get involved, that's the greatest threat to the situation because I, I have this rare talent for messing up everything I get involved in. God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about that. What he cares about is he, God is, it's, it's as if, it's almost as if God is preparing us in this life for something greater in the next life. It's, it's, it's like he's training us how to, how to hear from, I mean, it's like one thing after the other. You know, and you, you, you go through something, you struggle with something, and it just looks like all, it's, it's, you know, that's it, I'm in, I'm done, I'm cooked, I'm toast, it's over, it's all done. Help me, help me, help me. And then, and then, the word, a word from God comes. And hope, hope begins to, hope begins to to climb. And I begin to speak that word. I begin to claim that. I begin to believe that. I begin to put that into action. And slowly, slowly, it, something begins to change. Mostly me, but then the situation changes. And, and then something miraculous happens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That thing that I thought would destroy me hasn't destroyed me. And if anything, it's made me stronger. And it's wonderful. Until the next thing. And I'm right back in, help me, help me. And you go, how many times do you have to go through that before you learn? Rather quickly. Something happens, help. 
rather than fussing about it for days and weeks, just something, you know, I, I get the thing in the mail, it's, help, just immediately, right then. And already he, he begins to help. God begins to stir. Sooner or later, each of us will face a situation that appears impossible. All hope is gone. We cry out to God. And then the process starts. The process of, how many of you know God will fix a fix to fix you? But if you fix the fix that God fixes to fix you, God will fix another fix. Playing chess with God is frustrating. At times, he's super smart. And he thinks 20 billion moves ahead. So when something happens, we run to God and he will give us a word. And and I, I have learned to seek that word. Look for that word. Somebody calls me on the phones. I get I get some cry for help. Something comes. The, the first thing I do is cry out for a word from God. God, I, all right. Okay. I, I, I know these words. Now I need a rhema word from you. I need a living word now that's applicable in this situation. And you know what? He never fails. He never fails. It may not be what you were expecting. It rarely is what I'm expecting. And then now you have a choice to make. Are you going to believe what God said, or are you going to believe what the world says? Who has the last word? Right? Turn in your Bible to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. Are you going to believe what the world says, or are you going to believe what God says? Are you going to give up, or are you going to lay hold of the word that God gives you? It's possible that some of you in this room right now are in that place. You feel helpless, broken, and if so, this message is for you. I want you to know this, there is hope for you. It's not too late. If you will turn to God and you hang in there, He will give you a word. Perhaps you know somebody who is just right there, someone you love, someone in your family. You don't know how to help them. This message is for you too. You can go to God on their behalf. Cry out to God and be open. Sometimes God will give you a word. And in the speaking of that word, hope begins to rise. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you look at our country, you look at our nation, oh God, it looks hopeless. It looks hopeless. We are so divided, we are more divided than we've ever been. And, it, and, it, and it's almost as if the forces that are at play are working very hard to separate us, not bring us together, to divide us. Why? Because if they can separate us and divide us, we're weak. And they can control us. And it, it, just, it just looks hopeless. Sometimes when you look at the church, it looks hopeless. Sometimes you, look at, you can look at your family and feel like it's hopeless. There's no hope. You look at your marriage. Sometimes that can look hopeless. 
But I want you to know it's never hopeless. It's never hopeless. God can do anything. God can do anything. And sometimes we're waiting on God to do it, and sometimes God is waiting on us to cry out to him, to seek his face, and then he'll drop a word. How many of you know God's not done with America? God's not done with the church. It may, it may look weak, well, because it is weak, and messed up, yes. God's not done with the church. And I'm telling you, friend, God's not done with you. He's not done with your family. He's not done with your marriage. Hang in there. God has a word for you. In every situation, what is needed is to hear the word of the Lord. God wants to speak a word over you, over your situation, over the church, over this region, over America. The question is, who will hear from God? Who will speak that word? Who will hear the word of the Lord? Okay, now Ezekiel, where we're going here today, Ezekiel is training to be a priest. But he's doing this at a... (laughs) The timing is just awful for him. It's, it's the most tumultuous time in, in Israel's history. The judgment of God is, a, is falling. It's already fallen on the northern kingdom. They, they have been flattened. They have been carried off. They are destroyed. Time and again, God warned them through various prophets. His judgment was coming, but they refused to listen to God. And they engaged in all kinds of idolatry and, and sin and rebellion, and God warned them over and over, and finally, judgment has begun to fall. And he's living in Judah, the southern kingdom, and, and it's beginning to happen even in Judah. You would think, would you not, with all of the prophets saying, repent, turn to God, stop with the idol worship, stop with all of this, and when they failed to do that and the northern kingdom is destroyed, wouldn't you think those living in the southern kingdom would be going like, you know what, maybe, maybe we should repent. Maybe we should turn back to God. But they didn't. They refused to do it. And the second blow happens. Babylon invades this time, and wipes out the southern kingdom, carries off the temple furniture, the gold, the silver. And the people still wouldn't repent, so the third blow falls. Babylon comes back, demolishes the temple, puts everybody to the sword except a few who ran to the hills. Ezekiel and others are led off to Babylon in chains. And the whole thing is over. Israel is done finished, over, finis, until the word of the Lord came. This time it comes to young Ezekiel. I think this passage has a lot to teach us about hearing the word of the Lord and speaking it and watching how God can change anything. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, There's nothing impossible for you, God. 
There's all kinds of stuff that's impossible for us. In fact, wow. But Lord, we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you and we're asking, oh God, please speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me back up just a couple verses. This is Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 33. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. Wow. He's talking about restoration and healing of the nation. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. Verse 37, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to the plea of the house of Israel and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed feast. So the ruined cities will be filled with flocks of people and they will know that I am the Lord. So verse 37. Ezekiel 36, verse 37. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to the plea of the house and do this for him. Okay, now Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Always makes me nervous when God asks me a question. If God asks you a question, it's not because he needs information. He's asking you a question to see what your response is going to be. He even knows what that's going to be. I said, and this is a very wise reply, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. So let me stop here for just a minute. I don't, we're not told whether this was an actual valley filled with human bones. More likely, he was seeing a vision. But nevertheless, it must have been, can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine what that would be like? I've heard of battles in the Civil War. One of them was called the Battle of the Wilderness, in which so many soldiers from the North and the South died, and there was so much explosions and gunfires, fire going off that the, that the forest actually caught fire. And almost as many people died from being burned to death as did from the cannons and the guns. And, and the war raged on, and they didn't even have time to bury their dead. And something, something like two or three years later, they fight another battle on that exact same field. So they're fighting a battle on top of all these dead bones. Can you imagine? And so, the, you know, some of the some of the soldiers wrote about it and how horrible it was. You, you, one can only imagine what that would be like to see this. And it's, it's, it's frightening. 
disconcerting to say the least to be led back and forth. How many of you know when God wants to get your attention, he certainly knows how to do it? (laughs) Sometimes he has to lead us through the valley to get our attention. And it isn't always pleasant. You may find yourself in a very dry place, a place of death. It may be that the Lord himself has taken you there in order to show you something. Recently, God has been showing me some very unpleasant things about the church. I don't just mean our church, but I mean the church. Uh, Barna released a book explaining the, the, the woeful lack of of theological training or understanding or belief that is in the church. It's, it's shocking. For example, a large number of non-evangelical churches, mainline denominational churches, a large number of Christian churches believe that Jesus sinned. One out of five strongly agree that he sinned. An additional one out of eight agree that he sinned. And a final analysis, listen, nearly half of the non-evangelical born-again part of the church, nearly half, 46%, agree with the notion that Christ sinned. No wonder there's such a deadness to the faith experience of many American Christians. Every day the church in America is becoming more like the world that is allegedly, it is allegedly seeking to change. Increasingly people pick and choose Bible context that they like or feel comfortable with, but ignore the rest of God's counsel. Shockingly, few Americans understand anything about the power and significance of the supernatural world. Most Americans deny the existence of Satan, for instance. They deny the existence of the Holy Spirit. They are ignorant of the spiritual battle that rages around them. How are you go- One of the things we've been called to is to win this battle. How are you going to win the battle if you don't even understand that you're in a battle? The question is, can these bones live? I mean, it's dead, it's dry, it looks real bad. The American Christian Church is about as dead as it can get. The question is, can these bones live? Ezekiel gives the only right answer. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. When faced with an obviously hopeful situation, when God asks you that question, it's better 
to say, Lord, you know, than to say, absolutely no way. How many of you know God delights in doing the impossible? And if he brings something to your attention, it's probably because he has something in mind that he, that he wants to do. And what he is looking for is faith in your part, to agree with him, to believe. O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Verse 4, then the Lord said to me, prophesy to these bones. <laughs> Prophesy to the bones? Yes. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. You will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I love it that God even tells them what to say. How many of you know much of intercession is telling God what he tells you to tell him? So I prophesied as I was commanded, verse 7, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, no breath, Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the wind, the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. (laughs) You and I see bones, God sees an army. You look at the church and you go, man, what a mess. God goes, I see an army. I see my bride. He's got to do a few things first. What I want to say is everyone has, everyone has a valley of dry bones. You may find yourself in a situation where all you see is death. It seems hopeless. The doctor diagnoses cancer. What are you going to do? Your spouse tells you that they want a divorce. What are you going to do? America's being ripped apart by Marxist ideology. What are you going to do? You look at the state of the church in America and you see its deadness. What are you going to do? Well, listen, sometimes... When God brings something to your attention, it's because he's about to do something about it. And he wants to use you. In order to change the situation, God is looking for those who will be intercessors, willing to obey God. The Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? You know, Lord. Then he says, prophesy to the bones. This is what the sovereign Lord says, and he does. He says what God tells him to say. 
So there's a couple different elements here. First, first you need to hear from God, and then you need to speak. So first of all, God is, I think, looking for those men and women who are going to pray, who be intercessors. Then he's, going to, he's looking to, for those who will hear from God and speak prophetically the word of the Lord. I mean, God could do this without us, right? But he's not going to. He's going to use us. Why, I don't know. It would be so much cleaner and nicer for God to do this all by himself. We have this capacity for messing up everything we get involved in. It's all right. God is preparing us for something, and he's training us now, and he wants us to be involved. And here's how we can be involved. Number one, hear the word of the Lord. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever thing God brings to your attention, whatever your valley of dry bones is, Take it to God. God showed it to you for a reason. Go to God with it. Lord, Lord, let God give you a word. Hear what God is saying. And then speak it. Speak it. Hallelujah. It's absolutely essential that we understand the role of of, of prophecy, of of speaking that as humans, speaking what God tells us to speak. God uses this whole thing of speaking. He himself uses speaking. The worlds were brought into existence by speaking. God said, he spoke, and it happened. Utters with his mouth. He says, he speaks, and it happens. It was with the spoken word that the heavens and the earth were created. It was by the spoken word of Jehovah that the law went forth from Sinai. The psalmist writing said, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Jesus himself is the, the, the logos of God, the word made flesh. In Hebrews It says that he, Jesus, upholds and sustains all things by the word of his power. God's word spoken in the power of the the anointing changes things. So you need to hear what God is saying, and you have to speak it. You with me? This is why Jesus says in Mark 11, 23, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. This is exactly what our brothers and sisters in the faith confession group have been saying for years. And I have no issue with them except one thing. The thing that you and I are to stand in the gap for The thing that we are to lay hold of with faith, believing, and claiming, and speaking is not primarily to benefit me, to enrich me, to get me a new car. It's primarily to benefit others and the church and the kingdom of God. 
those around us who are hurting and dying and desperate, who will stand in the gap for them? Who is believing God for them? If you can get a word of the Lord for someone else and proclaim it and believe it, it'll change everything. Kathy Bloom changed absolutely everything. Nobody gave him hope. The doctor suggested abortion. The nurses gave no hope. Kathy gets a word from the Lord, speaks it over the baby, <laughs> and she's a beautiful child and brilliant and causing problems with her grandfather because <laughs> she's so smart. This is what Ezekiel did for God and for the nation. He prophesied what God told him to say. Essentially three things. There's change coming. There's change coming. There's change coming. You get a word from God. You go to somebody that's in a valley of dry bones and they're going through something that looks hopeless. You walk up to them in the name of the Lord. You tell them, God says there's a change coming. You can see the hope in their eyes. God says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And you will live again. It's not over. It's not over. I mean, how much more dead do you get than dry bones in a field? It ain't over till God says it. It's not the fat lady singing. It's God. It ain't over till God says it's over. When God looks at the church, he says, it ain't over. It's not over. There's a change coming. I will put my spirit in you. You will live again. Hallelujah. For your youngster that has walked away from God, it's not over. It's not over. You tell him, Lord says there's a change coming. He's going to put his spirit in you. You will live again. Whatever situation you're facing, you speak that. You get a word from God and you speak that. You watch. Watch what happens. Number three, you leave the results to God. Leave the results to God. How many of you know that you and I can't heal a fly of a headache? <laughs> I can't do anything. Neither can you. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. We get to thinking that somehow it's me. No, it isn't. The wonderful thing is I get to, I get to play. I get to participate. I get to be his hands and his feet and his mouth. I don't know why he wants to use us, but he does. So play your part. Hear from God. Speak his word. Declare it. Believe God. And then trust the results to God. Trust the results. Come on, worship team. If you want to see revival in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in the church, in America, the question is, will you be a man or woman of faith? Are you just going to are you just going to fold? Are you just going to quit? Are you just going to give up on America? Are you going to give up on our nation? Are you going to give up on the church? Are you going to give up on your family? I'm not either. I'm going to lay hold of God.
I'm going to get a word from God. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak it. And then I'm going to let the results up to God. Amen? Let's all stand and worship God together. Isn't he good? Has he been good to you? He's been good to me for 52 years. Over half a century. Yeah, there have been hard times, but he's never left me, not a single time. He is so good. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God. Friend, maybe you're here and you've never really made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you're tuning in live stream. You've never settled this. Still an open question. Is God good? Should I trust him? Absolutely. You can trust him. You can trust him with your past. Everything you've ever done in your life. And trust him to take it away to, cl- to cleanse you to forgive you of all your sins or you can handle it yourself you can carry all your sins right into the very throne room of God on the day of judgment and account for them yourself good luck with that or you can trust him with Jesus 
whose blood will wash you clean from every sin. You can trust him with your future, knowing that he loves you and that he cares for you. You can trust him to know that he's got you. And he will take care of you. He will provide for you. And he'll be with you all the way. And he'll lead you to his house, to his home. And then adopt you like his very own child. You can trust him with your future. Friend, you can trust him with right now. Right now, today. Will you do it? Will you do that? How do I do it? It's as simple as a prayer. Starts with being honest with God, saying, Lord, I've, I've sinned. I've, I've messed it up. I've wrecked it. This life you gave me, I've messed it up. Lord, I've broken your moral laws and I'm sorry. It's a prayer of repentance of, of Lord, I, I choose now to stop running away from you and now I come to you. Lord, here I am. I've changed my mind. It's a prayer of faith. I believe you're alive. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you raised from the dead and you're offering me life right now. And it's a prayer of receiving. Lord, I receive it. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord. Bottom line, it's, this is not about signing some creed or believing some remote theology. It's about receiving a person, Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord. Be my Savior. Come in, Lord. If you pray that prayer, He will. And He has. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Hallelujah. If you'd like prayer for anything, maybe just to let us know you prayed that prayer, that'd be awesome. If you've got anything else, maybe you're in that valley of dry bones and you need somebody stand with you. We'd love to pray with you, minister to you. And now God's peace and his grace go with you. Thank you, God. Let, let God's goodness, he's chasing after you, let him catch you. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to Community Vineyard Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's message, click the share button and be sure to subscribe to our channel so that you'll be notified of our latest content. To learn more about Community Vineyard Church or how you can partner with us, please visit our website at www.communityvineyard.org. Until next time.